0: My friends, do you believe in ghosts, or have you ever seen a ghost? Well, I haven't, but a good friend of mine has, and they saw it in my house. Here's the story. This one's a little weird. I'm gonna tell you this story, and I give you my word. Uh, every word of this story is the honest truth, exactly as I'm about to tell it to you, man. But before I tell you this story, I'm gonna let you know right now. I personally never believed in ghosts. I'm not a hocus-pocus guy. I'm not an overtly religious guy. I'm more what I would what I would term a spiritual person, but not religious. As a child, I went to Catholic school. My grandparents attempted to raise me Catholic. I was baptized. You know, I did communion. I never did confirmation, if you know about the uh, how that goes and the whatever. Do I believe in ghosts? Up until this story, I definitely did not. This story changed my perspective. And to this day, even though it happened quite some time ago, I still don't know how I feel about it. But these are the facts, and I'm going to tell you the honest truth about this story. And you can make of it what you will. But this is what fucking happened. I grew up in a small town in New Jersey called Seabright. It's a small peninsula of land. It's about three to four miles total from north to south, okay? We're bordered on the east by the Atlantic Ocean, and we're bordered on the west by a river called the Navasink. The the piece of land that the town is on is no longer than, no wider than 150, maybe 200 yards, and like I said, maybe three miles from top to bottom. It's a tiny little place surrounded by water on three sides. At the northern tip, it ends at a beach, and about three or four miles north of that beach is New York City. So we're right outside of New York but it's definitely a shore place. Now, originally, this was a place that was used by the Native American tribe, the Lenni-Lenape, for fishing and hunting, and I believe they had a small encampment there. Seabright was initially known as a place where Huddy's Leap occurred. Huddy was a revolutionary war hero. Huddy was on a boat en route up the Navasink River to Sandy Hook, the little beach I just mentioned by New York, to be hung as a traitor to England being a Revolutionary War guy and a guy that was involved with some stuff. As the boat came up the river, Huddy jumped overboard, handcuffed or whatever, swam to shore. They did eventually capture him, they brought him up to Sandy Hook and hung him. But that's a different story. Fast forward to the early to mid-1800s, Seabright is inhabited by mostly Swedish people involved in the fishing trade and is most famous for the place where a boat called the Seabright Skiff was invented. Now the Seabright Skiff, you know as the modern day lifeguard boat. It's the lifeguard rowboat that they paddle out. The main feature of it, it's got a curved a curved hull and the, uh, curved in the bow, and that allows it to be launched in heavy waves and heavy surf. The Swedish people of Seabright invented this boat to get these boats out in the waves so they could do their fishing bit. So that's Seabright. Now, the houses in Seabright are very close together. They're tiny little two-story A-frames. And it was in one of these houses that I grew up. Now, growing up in my house, my mother always told me the house was haunted and there was ghosts. And she even went so far as to describe the ghosts and what they look like. Me, I personally didn't believe her. But she would describe these ghosts as being a two young children, a blonde boy and a blonde girl, and a late adolescent, early teenage um, girl wearing, all wearing uh, 1800s-era sleepwear, like pajamas. And it's like, yeah, mom, mom, mom. Another story my mother would always tell is we had downstairs in the kitchen, the dining, the table we'd eat at in the kitchen, we had a round table with about five wooden chairs around it. And she would say, at night, in the middle of the night, she would hear the chairs making noise as if they had people sitting in them. You know, when you're, you, you, know, you can hear when a chair has weight on it. It makes little creakings in here and there. And little shoves in and out as people are talking over the table. She always claimed she heard that late in the night. That's my mom. But of all the stories my mother ever told about potential supernatural activity happening in our house, this one had to be the strangest. Mom was in hideout mode, so she was sleeping in the attic. We had a little bedroom up there, which later was going to be my bedroom in my teenage years. But at this time, it was just kind of a spare crash spot. Anyway, she's kind of hiding out, so she's sleeping up there. She's in the house alone. I'm away at boarding school at this time, and in fact, don't even live there. The other two children, my younger brothers, they're away somewhere. I'm not sure where. That's a different story. But for whatever reason, my mother's alone sleeping in the bed, and she keeps waking up, hearing children run by her laughing and playing. She tells herself she's dreaming this and tries to go back to sleep, but it keeps happening. Finally, she wakes up and looks at the end of the bed, and it's an attic, so there's a ladder to get up into the attic, right? So there's an opening in the floor, and there's a light shining from the hallway downstairs up into the hole, up through the hole into the attic, And she says when she pulled the covers down, she looked and saw the kids, the two ghost kids, the Swedish kids, wearing the pajamas, the little boy and the little girl. She didn't mention the adolescent kid this time, but she often told stories about seeing this 14, 15-year-old girl as well once in a while. But this time it was the kids, and she said she was so scared that she pinched herself so hard that the next day she had a bruise, and that she didn't know what to do, because she was alone, and she really believed she was seeing this, she gently pulled the covers back over her eyes, probably like any of us would do if we really thought we were seeing something like this, and just cowered in fear until sunrise. Now, those are a few of the stories that my mother always told, but common to these stories were the same kids. Three kids, little boy, little girl, around the same age, adolescent, teen. Fast forward to 23-year-old me. I've been playing in local bands for a few years, but I've gotten the itch to go on the road with my friends who called me one day and said, hey, you know, we're going on Dead Tour. We're gonna sell stuff on the road, make some money, do you wanna come? Sounded like a great idea for me. So I quit the band I was in, jumped in a car with a sleeping bag a couple days later and set out that summer. And I think this one particular summer, we stayed on the road for about three months. 90 days. So we left in about June, came back sort of end of August, yeah? It was me, my friend Josh, my friend Stu, and his girlfriend Lila. Stu also brought his dog with us, Kaya, and that rounded out the crew for the trip. We went out all around the country. Now a little bit of backstory on the individuals in this crew. Lila was a gal who did believe in ghosts. As a matter of fact, Lila was a gal who claimed to have been abducted by aliens um claimed to have been able to see ghosts, speak to people and would go on and on about this to such an extent that we as her friends and people just who accepted and loved her unconditionally would just ignore the shit as quote unquote crazy talk and just put it off. Now Lila she's not a Unintelligent person. Quite the contrary, she's a very intelligent person. She's a creative person, an artist. Um, she, was, she was the star of a very famous video by a very famous band of the uh, grunge era, art rock era back then. Um, I'm not going to mention the band or name because I don't want you to find Lila. But just to tell you, she wasn't just your run-of-the-mill crazy chick or whatever, but she, you know, would have these crazy chick um, thoughts and pronouncements. It's, you know, crazy chick to us. So, her and Stu are dating. We go out on the tour. Now, by the end of the tour, these two have enough of each other. We've been on the road for two months. By the end of the two months, they're fighting so bad. It was horrendous. I remember being on the beach in Santa Cruz and standing there. It was the end of the day. And it was beautiful. We're watching the waves hit the rocks down below. And those two were behind me and my friend. And they're fighting. And I'm just like, well, what are we going to do about this? These guys, this is crazy. He says, you know what, man? Fuck it. We're going back to Jersey. Everybody back in the truck. I said, you're kidding, man. Right? We're supposed to go to Mexico now. Because our plan was we were going to go to Mexico and just kind of kick it and have fun. That's kind of how I rolled back then. Um... But he's like, no, 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 these two, and i the, the dog is barking as they're fighting. I can't take it. We're, we we got to get back in the truck and go. So we all pile back into the truck. And the funny thing about this is this is a pickup truck with a cap on it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's pickup truck with a sliding window behind, and you can talk to people behind. And, you know, Hippie mode. We've been sleeping in the back and two people in the front driving, right? Well, on this trip, my friend drove from Santa Cruz to Seabright, New Jersey, nonstop. We did not stop to sleep. All we did was smoke weed in the this thing of this pickup truck. I'm in the passenger seat. He's driving like a fucking madman. It literally was like on the road, Jack Kerouac. It was everything I wanted about the trip, but I did want to go to Mexico. So we raced cross country. We got across country in like, I don't know, man. It was like a day and a half. It was record time. We were speeding. Meanwhile, when we would look in the back to the window behind us, these two would be fighting in the cab, sometimes physically tossing and turning and wrestling over one another. The dog would be scratching on the window you know trying to get us to open a window to let the dog into the cab which we weren't going to do the dog was a pretty sizable dog so we get back to Seabright and as you can imagine after driving all the way across the country straight nonstop with no rest when we get back to Seabright everyone is exhausted so i say hey man instead of everybody driving back to their houses tonight and trying to go back home whatever everyone could crash in my living room crash on the couch no problem Boom, I'm going upstairs to the attic to crash out. Love you guys, see you in the morning, good night. Went up there, I must have crashed out till about, I don't even know, maybe noon, one in the morning. Late, you know, you know how you do when you're at that age. Woke up the next day, went down in the living room, they're all gone, everyone's gone. The three of them and the dog are gone. Now, I didn't see those folks again for over a month. Cut to a month later. I'm at the legendary Fast Lanes in Asbury Park. It's Thursday, Nickel Beer Night, which that itself was legendary. If you were there, you remember. So it's Nickel Beer Night, I'm at the Fast Lanes. Music is pumping, it's 20 deep at the bar, people got the cups in the air, they're trying to get a five-cent beer. Boom, boom, boom. Out of the flashing lights and smoke and drug haze, appears Lila. Oh my God, she says, "Where have you been? I really need to talk to you about the night I stayed at your house." I said, "What are you talking?" Probably head bopping, or, which as she was talking to me, I don't remember exactly. It was a, you know, a club environment that this conversation is happening in. Doom, da, doom, da, doom, doom, you know. So <clears throat> I said, "Well, what are you talking about?" She's like, "I gotta tell you about what I saw in your house that morning." I said. Well, let's go over to the bar and get in the queue and wait in the line. And as we're waiting, you can tell me the story. And this, my friends, is the crux of the story. And this is what she told me. I went to sleep on the one couch with Stu and Jay was on the other couch. The dog was on the floor. I fell asleep because I was super tired. But in the middle of the night, I kind of woke up very thirsty and shit. When I woke up, I couldn't believe what I saw. On the chair by the door... A girl was sitting there. She looked like she was about 15 years old and she was dressed in old-fashioned pajamas. She had blonde hair, but her mouth was sewn shut and I couldn't believe what I was seeing and I was terrified. She said, but at that moment, your mother came down the stairs and came walking through the kitchen right past the girl who was now behind her as, as she walked into the living room and she looked around at everybody sitting on the at everybody sleeping on the couches and said aloud, What the fuck? What the fuck? Why are all these people fucking sleeping in my living room? and then turned around and walked out of the room. All the while, the girl was sitting there. My mother never saw her. My mother walked back into the kitchen, turned left and back up the stairs to her bedroom. And Lila said she was so terrified, she just turned over super slowly and refused to look at this girl sitting in the chair. She said she stayed that way till sunrise. They woke up, no one was there in the chair when they woke up in the morning and they all went their separate ways. Her, her boyfriend and the dog, and my friend Jay. That's the story she told me. Now when she told me this story, I was tearing up listening to it because, as I already mentioned, I didn't necessarily believe in ghosts. But the thing that was killing me as she told me this story on the dance floor that night was the knowledge that her and my mother had up to that point never met. Take That for what you will, my friends, but that's the story. Thanks for listening to this one. I love you guys. Thanks for listening to my stories, and I will definitely see you soon. You!